Hi everyone, you're listening to Hotel Vicarious, a podcast where two best friends talk about their favorite TV shows and movies. This week, we discuss the season two finale of The Witcher. Hello, Daria. Hey, Jenny. How are you? I'm good. And hello, listeners. Welcome back to Hotel Vicarious. How are you doing? You know, I'm good. I feel Mm -hmm. crazy that it is February. I feel like... I I, I don't know. I I have no feelings, (laughs) no thoughts, empty brain. Yeah, it is. Uh, it it does feel a bit unexplainable. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that somehow the fact that January felt like it took five years, mm-hmm. very reminiscent mm-hmm. of March twenty twenty. Yeah, and now suddenly it's like, oh, we're into the second week of February. <laughs> yes, it's like, it- oh, okay, <laughs> what Valentine's Day is next Monday, and <laughs> it's just like. Yeah, January yeah. was three years long. February is five minutes. What will March be? I don't really know. I know, exactly. Yeah, no, it's a bit weird. It's cold. It's dark. I don't love January and February Mm-mm. in a non-pandemic year. Like, Yeah. But at least, like, there was – you could escape. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like there's less chance, le- less opportunity to escape right now, at least – where we are it's kind of cold and dark and you know you can it's just like a big hassle to fly to fly anywhere it's like a big hassle especially when you have kids and I mean we only have the one to wrangle but it's still a lot (laughs) in terms of like testing and testing there testing back and it's just like oh god you know so I do long for the beaches of Aruba. <laughs> I won't lie. I spent a good hour the other day looking for beach houses to rent that are dog friendly. Yeah. Yep. But. I hear you. I don't know. I think we're, we've been a little slow. And most of the stuff that's dog friendly and cute. Yeah. Is gone. Which is a bummer. Yeah. For like right now, like this time of year. For the just this coming summer. Like, I'm like, oh, oh, yeah, I see. It could be nice to work from a beach house this summer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. dog, it'll be so easy, but. Yeah. Should have thought of that, like, six months ago, maybe. I know, which is crazy. I know, I just realized that we don't have a, like, so. So we have, like, a pool, like, an above-ground pool. Mm-hmm. But we take it down every year. Like, it's, like, one of those, like, it's sort of, like, half inflatable. Oh. So you, you like, blow up the ring around the top Mm. and the water holds the sides up okay except in mid-february in ontario when you drop the pool on the ground Mm. thinking that the vinyl will just fall into a pile it does not it cracks into a million pieces. No. Oh, yeah. Like a fist size hole in the middle of like just the, the vinyl just like just like literally like glass. And I was no. like, and I just like looked at my husband. And I was like, whoops. I get totally shattered um, in like several parts. And like one piece just like fell off completely. Like I could put my foot through it. So now we have to figure out um, what to do because we don't have a pool. <laughs> And, like, the the waiting list to get an actual above-ground pool is, like, a year and a half right now <laughs> because, yeah, of, because, because of the pandemic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it might be better this year than it was, like, in years past yeah. just because, like, there aren't going to be as many restrictions this summer as there were in 2020 and 2021. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> I don't know. I feel like we're going to be really utilizing the public pool this summer. <laughs> 
Your... Which I'm not going to lie. I actually don't mind because I love the public pool. <laughs> yeah. And it's like less hassle for you in your backyard. Oh. So, and my brand new lawn that I had done in October. So, which is the other reason I was like, oh, darn, the pool broke. <laughs> now we Because, like, I just have, a, like, a problem putting, like, a 10-foot thing onto, like, brand new grass. Yeah. That I paid a lot of money for. So now Big I fair. have a plausible reason to tell my child that, oh, the pool broke. <laughs> Terrible. Terrible this is fairy. like how I think I'm going to low-key break our oven soon so we can replace it. Oh, let me know how that works. I need to know. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know what? In all fairness to me, our oven is going to die soon. Because I turned the oven on to 450 the other day to make something. Totally normal recipe. Nothing fancy. I didn't even use the convection thing. And it was on for like 35 minutes. And the panel stops working at 35 mm. minutes. And my husband has to come downstairs and switch the breaker off in order to turn the oven off. Yeah, I think you guys are, you're due. You're totally due. I know. But like, this is like, that would be the fourth appliance we've had to replace in the last two years. And like, I just don't know if I'm there yet. <laughs> yeah, uh, when we had our house inspection, every appliance worked. And of then when it we did. closed, we had to replace the refrigerator, the dishwasher, the dryer, and the microwave. That is brutal. Yeah. How did can you sue them? <laughs> <laughs> I just was like, what did you do in like a three-week period to right. totally destroy all of the appliances at the house? Yeah, that's painful. But you know that's... what? For a control freak like me, it actually worked out nicely because I got to pick out our appliances. Right, so right, right. Exactly. The worst, but it was one of those yeah. unexpected things. <laughs> wow, right, that well... was a real tangent. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Yikes. Let's go from appliance talk to witcher talk. We need a, a good segue. Transition. Um, yeah sure let's do that <laughs> episode eight episode eight we are at the finale finally yes uh so this episode is called family and this is basically where <laughs> everything comes to fruition <laughs> in some ways but it kind of like leaves you like it leaves you asking a lot of questions. Yeah, I think this finale felt like a really big setup for season three. Yeah, it definitely had some like Two Towers vibes Yeah, uh, going on, which, you know, not great. Not great. I don't, don't love that. But, <laughs> I mean, we got to see some really good stuff, but I feel like we're not getting another season for at least another year and a half. And it just felt a little unfinished. Yeah. Well, it's like, I don't know. It feels like a lot happens really quickly. It's this weird combination of like jam-packed but fast. Like you, you think that every, like all of the action is taking place within like 25 minutes. Right. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, like a lot happens. You know, we we get to see some, like, some big things happening with the elves. Mm-hmm. You know, get to go back to Eratusa. We finally get to find out who the owl is. <laughs> yes. We finally get to meet uh, Emperor Amir. And then we get to see the family... Of Geralt, Yennefer, and Ciri kind of finally come together, which is yes. the best part of the episode, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. I mean, we've been sort of talking about what this would look like for a long time, and now we finally have it, you know, on screen. And I think, yeah, I think and hope that after two seasons of Geralt and Ciri and Yennefer largely apart, Season three will hopefully be them together the entire time. 
Yeah, and I think it's really, it would be really nice to sort of show or see um, this sort of found family that that they've created in a way. And I think it would be, uh, like I know, you know, the whole thing with Yennefer and Geralt being at odds was kind of like a plot device that had to happen, but like, I'm over that now. <laughs> <laughs> Just let them be happy. Uh, it's really what I want. There can be lots of fighting and lots of vengeance and everything, but just like let them do it side by side. Yeah, I want that. <laughs> right. Okay, so the the episode starts out with the elves. We find out that Dara, uh, the one-time friend of Siri, has been acting as a spy for Dykstra. Um, and basically he stopped being a spy, um, right before the baby died. And so he feels sort of, you know, guilty and responsible Yeah, it's, for that. It's an interesting <coughs> moment because we have sort of, you know, seen their interactions the last few episodes and he didn't actually have to tell anybody. <laughs> no one suspected him. So it's. You know, one of those things where I think him coming forward and being like, hey, I was doing this literally right before your child died and I feel responsible is sort of let them know that, oh, no, it definitely wasn't him. Like, he wouldn't have come forward maybe if if that, that had been the case. Yeah. And Francesca, you know, for all of her sort of like <laughs> grief, you know, she she really kind of reassures them that her, you know, her, her wasn't his fault. Um, you know, he, he's not the one to blame, but that the elves are going to leave Sintra, um, to go to Redania, Redania, Redania. Yeah. To sort of seek justice, um, for the death of the baby. Yeah. And it is like the fury that is unleashed in Francesca is sort of, I mean, it's extremely impressive, but it's scary as hell. Yeah, it is. She really goes there. Yeah, I mean, she really, really does. And it's it's interesting to know because the elves have been totally persecuted and um, under attack for, I mean, hundreds of years now. Yeah, exactly. And they've been holding back, I think, on the kind of power they have. I mean, she she does some really serious damage in a very short amount of time yeah i mean yeah it's i mean like trigger warning she kills every single baby in the city every single one every same time at the same time like instantly you know and i think this is really sort of the start of the elves maybe sort of taking back some of the power that's been ripped from them for the last several hundred years. Yeah, and it's, you know, we, we've had little flashes of these conversations about the way that they've had to fight or the way they've had to protect themselves. And when Philavandrel is is helping train the elves to join the Nilfgaard army, there's some resistance because that's not really what they do. And I think right. now... They're going to go crazy on everybody and like, you know, good for them. Yeah. <laughs> I like, mean, of all of the people in this show, I root for the elves to sort of take back what's theirs. I do it. Exactly. And and I think, you know, maybe we'll sort of see, you know, in season one, uh, Geralt and Yaskier actually worked with uh, Philavandrel. Mm hmm. When they were in the caves, remember when they were hiding up in the mountains? Yeah. So they do know each other in a in a kind of roundabout way, which is interesting. And yeah. when um, right after that happens, we actually see that Istred, uh, Yennefer's one time boyfriend, mm. has been captured by the elves in Redania, and he ends up <laughs> basically to save himself, reveals uh, Ciri's who Ciri is, like that she has elder blood. And basically, I think at this point, this is when Francesca 
realizes that Siri is part of the prophecy that Ithilene had. Yep. Oh, yeah. You can, like, see it in her eyes when she's like, all right, we got it. We're back. We're back in the game. We're going to find Siri and we're going to make this thing happen. Yeah. And so now there's, like, someone else looking for her. This poor kid. Right. Um, (coughs) So now this, from Redania, we actually end up, we end up in Heratusa because in the previous episode, Tissaia and Vilgefortz had received a visit from Dykstra mm-hmm. to warn them of Ciri's power um, and obviously the destruction that could bring to the world. Now, Tissaia had actually kind of already known about that and so had Vilgefortz because Triss had told Tissaia in confidence what had happened when Triss went into Ciri's mind. Yep. And Tissaia immediately told Vilgefortz. <laughs> Which still irritates me I, <laughs> several it, episodes later. It's it's so frustrating. And so it's, it's interesting, right? Because you have Istrid and Francesca and the elves talking about trying to find Ciri to help win their side of the, th- the war and... Then you have the Brotherhood bringing together their own sort of, like, call to arms. with yeah, in the north, yeah. In the north with King Foltest, King Henselt, and Queen Maeve. And they all sort of say, like, Ciri's too powerful. She's going to be too much trouble. We just have to get rid of her and right. anyone who's trying to protect her. And you're like, oh, God, Jesus. Like, okay, just more people who want to, you know, hurt Geralt and take Ciri. <laughs> But then you have King Visimir, who we know has been working with Dykstra to try and figure out where Ciri is so that he can marry her. So that this grown-ass man can marry this 12-year-old girl. (sighs) But because he wants to, like, utilize her, the rest of them don't really agree, obviously. So Mm -hmm. there's there's no sort of, like, set plan of action, which obviously is going to lead to lots and lots of chaos in Season 3 because they're all probably going to backstab each other and, you know, one-up each other and trying to figure out how to get rid of her or use her. Right, exactly. Yeah, they can't come to some sort of, like, accord. And then this is when we find out that the owl that (laughs) Dykstra has been talking to and that Dara has been talking to is actually a powerful sorceress called Philippa. Yes. And Philippa is actually the court mage for Redania, um, and she can, like, change her shape into that uh, of an animal, so, like, the owl. Which, like, if Philippa is the court mage for Redania, then who is Dykstra? I thought he was the court mage. So I thought that, too, and I'm just, like, is he just, like, another mage like is there or or is he more like a fixer like yeah it's we've been treated to this redanian subplot in a few of the episodes thus far but i still think that there's just so much more to understand and i'm sort of hoping that season three is going to explain that yeah and i think maybe if we had read the books or played the video games we would it would be less confusing to us maybe in Probably, a way because we yeah. kind of know what's going on. But for the mo- like even still being someone who's just watched the TV show, like I was fine with the yeah. explanation that they gave us. They were like a really small subplot. And like, mm-hmm. yeah, maybe we will get more of them, you know, next next year. Yeah. So. So while all of this is happening with the elves and with the Brotherhood and, you know, all of this crazy political infighting. We have, like, some very real shit happening at Kaer Morin. <laughs> yeah. Way more important than... Way if, more important. Yeah, anything, really. In the last episode, it ends with Siri being basically possessed yeah. by Volithmir. But no one knows, including, like, y- Yaskier, who's taking her to Kaer Morin. Yeah. Yeah, so she... <laughs> they get there, and... Basically, she starts murdering the witchers in their sleep. Yeah, and it's so it's interesting, too, because, I mean, the episode sort of starts with Siri waking up 
in her old room in the castle in Sintra. And uh, Musak is coming in and he's sort of like chiding her for not being ready yet for the ball. And part of you is maybe thinking this is a flashback. (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Until you start to understand that Siri is in like a dream-like place. And it's because the Deathless Mother is trying to distract Siri in her own brain so that she can successfully do her thing in Siri's body and like take over and like live out her days in Siri's body. Right. Yeah. And so, I mean, I think it becomes pretty apparent pretty quickly, uh, at least to Vesemir, <laughs> that um, that Siri is possessed. And he, I guess, basically instructs the witchers, the remaining witchers, to um, drink their elixirs, witcher potions, uh, so that they can prepare for, like, this fight against Ciri or the Deathless Mother, you know? Yeah, it's it's truly upsetting because we've spent this entire season now learning that there are no more witchers and that they're drastically dwindling in numbers. And the first thing we see is the... Deathless mother possessed Siri literally slitting throats. Like, uh, I don't know how many she kills before they kind of find out that she's possessed. Because then by that point, she busts open a hidden monolith monolith inside Kaer Morin and gives them another stupid fucking stone monster to kill <laughs> like like it's... honestly and like i was so surprised that it was inside the witcher tree like crazy it was honestly a super badass moment i mean you know whatever yeah like De- deathless mother's pr- pretty uh interesting to watch because she knew exactly what she wanted and she got it yeah for the most part yeah, and so it's like these two bas- basilisks, I think they're called. Yeah. It's like it's like some sort of like mythical snake, right? Yeah. <laughs> Very Harry Potter of them. <laughs> Very Harry Potter. <laughs> and so the witchers are like trying to fight these new snakes and then Geralt arrives basically just like in time to like convince Vesemir to like try to like let's get the deathless mother out of Siri before we just like kill my daughter okay yeah that'd be great <laughs> it's kind of crazy how quickly they're all like well let's just kill her and let's just kill her <laughs> and girl it's like or maybe we can just try and like use the power of love to save her <laughs> the power of love. like it's such a funny juxtaposition to how girl usually interacts with things like this yeah but of course for I mean, sure. that is that they've they have such a special bond now that like you know yeah he's changing his ways <laughs> <laughs> oh. so Geralt is like trying to reach Siri he's yeah. he's yelling to her he's talking to her he's trying to get into her head like beyond this sort of like weird barrier that um the deathless mother has like put up in her mind and she can kind of hear him, but she's not really, like, she's not really, you know, leaving. <laughs> yeah, she's, she's like, actually quite happy in her vision of, you know. Yeah. Because it's everyone that she's lost. And when you start to put the pieces together, I mean, she's lost literally everyone in her life. Everyone in this vision is dead. And so it's, like, she's, yeah, you know, she's. As far as she knows, like, these are the people that were once in her life and now they're gone. So, you know. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's her, her parents, uh, Mouse Sack, and her, and her grandmother, right? So, so then there's this whole sort of, like, mini subplot about this, like, Jasper Stone that Yennefer is trying to get Yaskier to give to Geralt. And, like, it's kind of like a little bit of a gong show because, it like. It is very slapsticky. Yeah. It is so slapstick because, like, Yaskier's, like, under the table and, like, he's, like, trying to hide from the basilisks and, like, Geralt can't hear him and, like, it's very ridiculous. It is extremely silly, but what I love the most about it is that Yaskier and Yennefer are working together and they're, like, doing so well and I... Yes. Love. I, know. I love them. 
love them so I much. I know. I really do too. And then fucking Vesemir stabs Siri anyway. Yeah. What the hell, dude? He's just so fucking fed up. He like doesn't have anything left in him. He's like, we're all going down. I'm taking her down with me. Like, I that. think that's truly at that point. That is that is exactly what it is. Is like the basilisks are not retreating. They're not being defeated. They're like impossible to kill. Yeah. They're huge, and, and they're we're impossible we're to just kill. watching all of the remaining witchers, except for like three, die in like Basically. brutal ways so Vesemir's yeah. lost his shit he's yeah he's he just, just lost, lost it. it though basically the wound just like immediately heals <laughs> which I have to say there was a lot of times when this happened in the show mm-hmm. where like someone would be healed but like their skin would look fine but like their their shirt is still ripped but like this wound, this like mm-hmm. magically heals the material. Mm-hmm. And like that irritated me a lot. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> like a lot. <laughs> Listen, the uh, Voleth mirror. She's been waiting for this one for a long time. She's gonna look real good doing it, and no one is gonna fuck that up for her. Okay, <laughs> she's gonna take the extra little bit of magic just to make that dress look perfect. <laughs> yeah, ridiculous. I think what's really great about that moment too, aside from the magic um, embroidery happening, right? Is that- <laughs> Girl realizes that all of this chaos is just just giving her extra life. Like, this is a woman who functions off of despair. And so, like, you're just giving her exactly what she wants. And so he goes back to his, guys, why don't we try a more gentle approach? Yeah, he's like, get it to, you know. There's just kumbaya this moment, okay, guys? And it's cute because even Lambert, <laughs> the reigning douche canoe of the witchers, is even like, okay, Siri, come back. We love you. <laughs> I know. And then Vesemir's like, I'm sorry I tried to kill you. <laughs> oh, my God. It's it's great. And so at, the, at this time, right, as they're all trying to lure her back, yeah. Siri is in her head and she's in this ballroom and she's with her parents specific like they're you know together and yeah she's really struggling she's like really because she knows now like in her head i think it's clicked for her that like she knows that she's under this sort of spell and Mm -hmm. she kind of is making the choice do i want to stay here or do i want to go back to Geralt and yennefer and everyone who's calling for me yeah oh and knowing that they're sort of running out of time Mm. Mm-hmm. Yennefer, who finally comes into the room. I mean, she's obviously been trying to do what she can because she doesn't have her magic, so she can't really help right. all that much. Yeah. She finally joins the fight and decides that to atone for everything she's done, <laughs> she's going to sacrifice herself to lure the Deathless Mother out because she's like, this witch needs a vessel to live. And so yeah. let it be me. Mm-hmm. Instead of uh, instead of Siri, which is like, it's the mother Siri never had. It's so beautiful, and it's <gasps> it's especially beautiful because Yennefer and Siri have spent a decent amount of time together, you know, working on magic and yes, and chaos. Yeah, at this point, yeah, and so they have this little bit of a connection, and that's how Yennefer manages to get the Deathless Mother out of her. Yeah, exactly, and. And, and that kind of triggers Siri, you know, to really listen to what Geralt is saying. And, and, you know, he's telling her that they are her family now. And, like, that family that she's looking at in that great hall in Sintra is not real. It's not, it's in, you know, it's not a real thing. It's not, it's, their re- her real family is there in Caremorn. And finally, Siri is able to sort of, like, push Volokmir out and that's when she goes into Yennefer's body and then everything happens really fucking fast so fast like I don't even know like I've watched the the finale several times and I'm just like not even sure (laughs) because it's like the deathless mother goes into Yennefer's body Siri is finally free 
They're trying to figure out how to get the Deathless Mother back out of Yennefer. So Ciri yeah. opens a portal, but because she's really not that good at any of this stuff yet, she accidentally brings Yennefer and Geralt and herself into this portal with the Deathless Mother. And they're in this world that no one recognizes. And suddenly the Deathless Mother just leaves. Yeah. And is like, peace out, bitches. This is what I wanted. And right, it's exactly. Like, okay. Exactly. Well, Great. That's... Shit. <laughs> right. Um, and then they can see, like, approaching are the the sort of, like, people we saw on horseback earlier in the season when Triss was in Ciri's mind. Um, and they're racing towards them, and it's the wild hunt. And it is scary as fuck yeah. because they are all these, like, ghouly, skeletony zombie looking motherfuckers like <laughs> like even the horses have like skull armor it's yeah. a lot it's, it's a lot brutal and they're like dying for siri to join them yeah they're basically like come with us join us yeah uh and siri grabs Geralt and yennefer's hands and somehow boom they're back in caremorn <laughs> which um for fans of the video games and the books Apparently, is this this was like a good glimpse into what series powers will eventually be. Teleportation, which we saw with the bridge, and right. apparently being able to jump between worlds. Right. Crazy. And then we find out that Yennefer, you know, following her sort of sacrifice and having Volofmir enter her body and then leave, now has her powers back. How how handy. <laughs> How convenient Karma. that she survives slitting her wrists. Yeah, I know. And and in taking it I, all of it. I mean, you know, that's great. Good for her. I'm so happy for you, baby girl, because I missed you. But like, it's right. just woof. But then Geralt, listen, listen, okay, dude. I understand. She did kidnap your daughter to take her and maybe sacrifice her to the deathless mother. I understand that. However, I feel like she has atoned for her sins. I think she kind of apologized. Holy shit, guy. But he's like, I don't forgive you. But I need your help. <laughs> so I'm not going to banish you. You can definitely stay here and we'll train her together but and we'll be a family but we'll co-parent but we're definitely not sleeping together (laughs) that's gonna last a whole maybe three episodes yeah i was gonna say like five seconds i mean (laughs) it's it's kind of like and listen i love this show i really enjoyed this season but there's something so disney about that moment between the three of them, where, like, Siri is sitting with her legs hanging over the bridge, and she's, like, looking at this dead basilisk, and, and mm-hmm. Geralt and Yennefer come and, like, put their hands on her shoulders, and they're like, it's all right, kid, we're gonna go on an adventure and train together, and it's, like, so, I don't know. <laughs> it's a little campy. It's a little, yeah, like, cartoony. Yeah, um, it is. It really is. I mean, I like it. Yeah. I like, I like it in some ways, but I do know what you mean. Like, it is kind of campy. It is like, like, guys, like, just look what just happened. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you, you literally have, like, 25 bodies to bury. And you're like, it's all right, Siri. Well, you know. It's fine that you killed all your friends. It's cool. <laughs> it's no big you deal. Know, you'll get over it. Oy. The big, the big thing, though, is that. After all of this, right, is, is kind of said and done, we we know that we still have the arrival of Emperor Amir to deal with. Yes, in Sintra. And so we see that Fringilla and Kahir are, like, scrambling to figure out how to explain all of the craziness that has happened, you know, in the last few months with the um, elves running Nilfgaard, the elves leaving Nilfgaard, the yeah. sudden deaths of half of the, like, you know, upper echelon that Fringilla took care of in the last yes. episode. Yep, yep. Mm-hmm. And so 
it's a really great scene because you see the back of Emperor Amir's body as he's like going down the court and you see Frangilla and Gahir coming up with this like elaborate bullshit to explain that like this is how we planned it all along and like this is what we needed to do and da 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 and it was like we are the ones that killed the elvish baby you and, know this was always our plan and then you find out that emperor mir was actually the one who called for the death of the baby and he kind of knew all along that they were fucking up in Nilfgaard. And so he took it upon himself to fix the problem he thought needed to be solved. Yeah. And he's like, all right, both of you are, are done, donezo now. Like, this is treason. No more. I don't want anything to do with you. And Bye-bye. <laughs> we finally see his face. And dun-dun-dun. dun 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 it is Siri's dad, <laughs> who yeah. we thought was dead. Hedgehog face. Hedgehog Dooney face. Is actually Emperor Amir. And like, how did that happen? You know, I've been seeing some interesting theories too online that when Siri is in her head with the Deathless Mother and she chooses to leave her like little brainwashing, all of the bodies turn to ash. Yeah. Except... Her dad's. Yes, I did see that. And that was the first thing that kind of like, when I was watching it the first time, I was like, oh, what's going on there? But I, and I thought maybe, okay, oh, maybe he's like still alive. Like, cause that kind of like immediately clicked for me. And I was like, maybe yeah. he's still alive. But I did not expect for it to be Emperor Mir, like at all. <laughs> yeah. That definitely did not, it was not even like, remotely in my mind yeah so it's interesting i mean now it makes sense why nilfgaard is so obsessed with siri because he wants you know his daughter back and does he want her back because he cares about her i don't think so yeah Mm -hmm. i find that hard to believe like it puts this it puts that whole episode in a different light when we find out about um, the curse on her dad and falling in love with her mom. And, like, was it actually a plan? Like, did he know Ooh. about the history of Calanthe's family? Did he know that Pavetta might have this power? Like, did, you know, was it all predestined? Yeah, yeah interesting. And, like, did he – and, like, what is his end game? Yeah. Like, what – what does he need from Siri? What can yeah, he I mean, because I, I assume it's not to, like, just let the elves come back into power. Nope. Yeah, so that is interesting. It is. It is. I mean, I think this is, again, why we were saying that, like, season two f- feels like such a big setup for season three. Yeah, it does. I mean, I will say, like... Season one set up a lot of stuff for season two, and we got a lot of that payout this year. We sure did. But it also definitely set up a lot of stuff for season three, and I'm hopeful that that will pay out. But just let Geralt and Yennefer do it side by side, please. And also bring Yaskier around a a little bit more. Like, Oh, my God. That's the found family I want. That's the dynamic. Yeah. I want him to write a song about Siri and about <gasps> Geralt as yes. a dad. It was so great. I would love that. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. Yeah, definitely more Yaskier. Not enough Joey Beatty this year. Not that enough. Is my, that is like one of my like main complaints Not of the season. Not enough of him at all. I fully agree. Yeah. I mean, I think, again, overall, super fun season – love some of the monsters we saw i mean i love the world building i love all of the monster creations like it's such a fun show but yeah man i'm ready for season three and i know we're not gonna get it for like at least another 13 14 months which is crazy i know i know it's so true but i'm excited for what is coming next for us (gasps) yes you guys we are sort of pivoting Sort of. Because I just don't think that they're similar at all. <laughs> they're not. Really. 
I mean, <sighs> the patriarchy kind of exists in both, but. Uh, <laughs> Bummer. I'm sorry. Uh, no, but we are going to be recapping Bridgerton starting woo, woo. March 25th. We'll be doing a three-week intensive um, mm-hmm. of Bridgerton season two. But before March 25th, we will be doing a countdown to Bridgerton, if you will. Yes. We are going to be reviewing some of our favorite Regency films and some newer Regency era things that we haven't seen before or that I haven't seen and Jenny has or Jenny hasn't seen but I have. So it's going to be a really fun crash course into some really amazing movies. And miniseries. Yes. Yeah, we are definitely looking forward to them. Um, We're also, for the first time, going to be having some special guests on the podcast to help us count down to Bridgerton. So we will hear more about those in the coming weeks. But we're very excited. And we will be talking about all of the movies and miniseries that we'll be watching throughout the next couple of weeks um, on our socials coming soon. So you can find all of those there. Um, But we actually are taking a break next week. (laughs) Uh, We've been going pretty hard since july yeah (laughs) which is crazy and yeah next the our first episode back will be our 30th episode holy cow is like a huge deal for us that's it's (laughs) a lot that's a lot of episodes it is a lot um and so we're gonna take a little break to just like prep relax get rejuvenated um get all of our little ducks in a row Exactly. Before we don our corsets and our chemises. <laughs> we will be recording head. each podcast episode in full Regency wear. Yes. <laughs> yeah, so that's what we're doing. So we'll be off next week, but we'll be back the week of February 24th with our first countdown to Bridgerton. So we hope you check us, come back and check us out. In the meantime, we'll be interacting with everyone on our socials. Those never stop. We don't sleep. So even when we're on a break, (laughs) we're still around. You know, you can't get rid of us. Yeah. And I mean, you know, if you guys have your own, you know, movies that you love, Regency heroines that you love, you know, let us know. I mean, we're always looking for new stuff to talk about and watch and see and we're big austin heads especially so we love talking about anything austin and we also will be hosting on twitter a mr darcy bracket yes we are so excited to finally figure out the most amazing darcy we found thus far Yes. So, will it be Laurence Olivier? Will it be Matthew McFadden? Will it be Colin Firth? Or will it be lesser known versions of Darcy? You know, such as Will Darcy from Bride and Prejudice. Oh, yeah. We have many Darcys. That will be in our bracket. Um, So please join us on Twitter for that exciting event in the coming weeks. And we will probably announce the final Darcy winner in our last Countdown to Bridgerton episode, which will be on the 17th of March. So in basically a little over a month or in, in the next month, We will be everything Bridgerton, everything Regency, and we are super looking forward to it. It's going to be so much fun. I'm so ready for just some, like, sleepy romance. Yeah, exactly. A lot less monsters. (laughs) I'm over monsters right now. So, Daria, aside from all of our exciting plans for the next month and a half, what are some other things that you haven't been able to stop thinking about? 
Oh my god, well, speaking of romance, I, on a whim, bought both of Emily Henry's novels a few weeks ago, and I took last weekend to kind of just read both of them. <laughs> Amazing. I was like, I'm just going to hang out and um, read books all day. And I basically read both books in three days, and it was Beach Read was her first, and People We Meet on Vacation is her second, and we'll link them in our, our show notes. I haven't laughed. Like, these are genuinely romantic comedy books. Like, they are – the dialogue is hilarious. The um, – everything about it is just so, so funny. I can't even – I haven't laughed out loud reading a book in a really long time. And I would just, like, chuckle to myself like a little creep oh, all the that. time. So great. I loved them. I thought the dynamics were great. I thought the characterizations were beautiful. I just totally enjoyed them and I totally recommend them to everybody else. They're you know, they're just they're just really fun. And they're good and they're visual they're like, and like good like comfort reads, I think. Yes. Yeah, I felt really, really good. I even got like a little emotional at the end of people we meet on vacation. I don't really get physically emotional when I like read. Yeah. But this one I was like, oh, <laughs> Okay, like that was very good, you know. So. Yeah, yeah, that's what I've heard that the that people we meet on vacation is a little bit more of like an emotional. Yeah, it's a little heart wrenching. That's what I'll say. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, I there on my like miles long to be read list. But, yeah, um, I have bumped them up a little yeah. bit. <laughs> they have a very similar sense to like Tessa Bailey, I think, in terms of okay. just that, like funny light. But, you know, good, captivating. Yeah. Highly, highly recommend. Awesome. That's so great. Well, yeah, definitely we'll link them in our show notes. And I know they are – I'm definitely going to try and get through um, at least one of them uh, in the next month or so, hopefully. I say that, but I still have, like, several books that are, like – that are, like – I started, like, one chapter and then I just, like, got distracted. So, yeah. I get it. I have a whole, you know, to-be-read shelf that I'm still kind of putting off. So, um, what about you, Jenny? Is there anything that you can't stop thinking about? Uh, yes. So, (laughs) this weekend, I watched the movie Nightmare Alley by Guillermo del Toro. It, (laughs) it's a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Uh-oh. It was good. Like yeah. it was it was long. I will say that I found it a little bit too long. Oh, God, I found yeah. it was like 2 hours and 30 minutes and I found it a little bit too long. That is 30 minutes um, too long for a movie. Yeah, it it felt very like I was kind of like, "Oh gosh, okay." <laughs> um like it moves the pace is good. Like it it moves along, but there's just like a lot and I think maybe cuz some of it like probably didn't it didn't need to be quite so like there, it could have been clipped a little bit, mm. and I think I would have gotten the gist of the story mm-hmm. uh, anyway. But it's good. It's, it stars uh, Bradley Cooper, Kate Blanchett, Tony Collette, Rooney Mara. It's a great cast. Like, the cast is, is amazing. It's <laughs> – I wouldn't say it's a horror film because there's – but it's brutal. Like, it's brutal. It's about <laughs> a traveling carnival and uh, you know specifically the kind that had like sideshows and mm, mm-hmm. there are some pretty horrendous human rights violations that happened oh, uh, during the 1940s in you know traveling carnivals yeah and that was a lot I found it like a, it was pretty brutal hard to watch um yeah it's pretty gross some of it um but you know i will say um i mean i like guillermo del toro movies for the Mm -hmm. most part um mostly because of who's in them like i really really liked crimson peak um but i also really 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 love tom hiddleston right so like i'm willing to maybe put up with more (laughs) from guillermo del toro if i really really like the actors who are in the movie Mm -hmm. um now that movie is only like an hour it's like maybe two hours and that was like perfect right again but yeah um yeah so 
that being said, when I was going into the movie, I was like, I don't know that I'm going to be able to love this movie for two and a half hours because I very, very much do not enjoy Bradley Cooper movies. Yeah. And I haven't for a very long time. I am um, trying to think of the last one I liked, and it was probably Silver Linings. I was just going to say, uh, Silver and, Lining Playbook is probably one of the last ones I liked. And even then, I liked it in spite of Jennifer Lawrence. Yeah. <laughs> Who I, I actually like a lot. I just didn't like her in Silver Linings, which is, you know, hilarious because that's her Oscar-winning movie, but like... Yeah, no, that's, I mean, like, that's fair. I just read once that Angelina Jolie was originally cast in the role, and now that's all I can think of. Oh, I really like Angelina Jolie, so. And, mm. well, considering the character was a, like, you know, widowed, you know, it would have worked yeah. a little bit better yeah, than, like, 20-year-old so. Jennifer Lawrence. Right. So, yeah, so I haven't, I truly have not liked a lot of Bradley Cooper films in the last probably 10 years yeah apart from guardians of the galaxy because <laughs> you know, even count as a bradley like <laughs> yeah i mean he plays rocket the raccoon i know like you like, know he just comes so, like, into like a recording booth i'm just saying like that no he does a great that was like his voice for rocket is so funny that was my peak <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i haven't really loved him i mean like you know american hustle fine Meh. It was okay. Uh, the movie that really kind of like made me not love Bradley Cooper was American Sniper. Yeah, what a big fucking mistake that movie was really all around. hated that movie. <laughs> Followed very quickly with Aloha. <laughs> that absolute bomb. Yeah. yeah. I mean. One, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, <laughs> super did love Ben in Wet Hot American Summer. Because yeah. the miniseries, yes. because I loved him from the original, so that was fine. Well, um, yeah. So, yeah, it's been a while yeah. since I've liked Bradley Cooper. However, I would say for the first two-thirds of this movie, I really felt like he was acting. Like, he really, he really was good. He was really, really good. He was very believable. His physical acting, not just like like his the physicality of his character, was very much not like himself, and you yeah. could it was very easy to sort of be in the watch the movie and see this character as his character of Stan Carlisle, not as Bradley Cooper playing this character. So then, what happens in the last third of the movie that you're like <laughs> the last third? Of, I think it was just one. It was too long. Yeah. And he gets, like, a little bit more smug, a little bit more smarmy. Yeah. And I found, like, that was just, like, too much Bradley Cooper. (laughs) And, but then it goes, like, at the end, the very end is very, like, I mean, the end is just, like, like, hits you, like, deep in the stomach. And it's good. The ending, the ending is really good. Like, the the movie, like, I I know it doesn't sound like I liked it. I did like it. (laughs) But it was such a, like, I just found it very uncomfortable to watch. But I think that's the point. Like, it was supposed to be uncomfortable in a way. There are definitely a handful of movies that I can just see once. Yeah, like, I I don't ever want to watch this movie again. Like, Like Revolutionary Road, once. You know what I mean? Like, there's, you just know it's going to emotionally devastate you. You yeah. take it on and then you're like, okay, I'm good. <laughs> yeah, that like that scene good. Revolutionary yeah. Road just like is in my brain right yeah, now. Like, yeah. so that, and I just like don't I'm ever so sorry. I ruined this entire yeah. episode. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, but no, you're right. Like it, there definitely is movies like I just don't want to see again for like multiple reasons. Like yeah. <laughs> um Tenant loved it. Yes. Loved it. Really liked it probably don't want to see it again because i feel like it's kind of like oh you know what's gonna happen (laughs) yeah you know it's not like you don't really want to see it again which i know is like now i'm gonna be a complete hypocrite and be like but i could watch in i have watched inception like 10 million times (laughs) but different because there's something about inception that i can also i i it, if it is on when I'm, like, scrolling through, I watch it every time. Every I can time. sum it up for you in two words. 
Tom Hardy. (laughs) (laughs) That is it. Um, And also a brilliant performance by Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Yeah, I was going to say, for me, it's Tom Hardy, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, and Killian Murphy. Yes, true. True, true, true. That, okay, I I will (laughs) accept that answer with, (laughs) I will accept that answer with a honorable mention to Ken Watanabe, (laughs) who I love very dearly. Because he's great in that movie. And I mean, listen, I also love Elliot Page so much. So. Oh, yeah, of course. I mean. Even though. Amazing. That role was your typical Chris Nolan. Yeah. You know. Token woman. Yeah. Yeah. Is the token female of a Chris Nolan movie. Chris Nolan, can you work on that? Maybe. That would be fun. Or, you know. Just like, like a little word of advice. <laughs> or just like produce movies of people who make movies with women in them. That's fine too. You don't Yeah, that would be also helpful. Uh, <laughs> just saying. Yeah, so no. Uh, all in all, did I like it? Yes. I would say it's a solid 7 out of 10. Okay. But I would not watch it again. It's not <laughs> a repeat. Would, but I will never ever watch it ever again. Yeah. No. Fair. Yeah, I just, there's there's a line and I feel like, I think we've talked about this before, maybe not on the podcast, but in general that I have a hard time reading books and watching movies that are, involve trauma for the sake of trauma. Oh, yeah. No, I, I like, think it's. A, like the book A Little Life. Yeah. Um, I know we've talked about that and it's just like pure, like just trauma porn and I just cannot. <laughs> Like, I would never, ever, ever read that book again in a million years, and I do not recommend it to people. I mean, no joke. I got through, like, 40% of it before I went, no, I got to tap out. And I never, I never put down a book. Like, I, I always finish it, even if I don't like it. But that one made me feel like a pain in my chest, and it wasn't a good kind. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, exactly. Like, sometimes there are books that, like, that physically – like do things to you like I can think of another example that I'll talk about in a minute but like I I did finish the book but because it was part of like kind of like a book club thing that I was doing so I I kind of had to finish it but it was like I could even get over the fact that like the first 40 percent of the book is absolutely fucking brutal yeah and, like, I could get over that and get through it because of what was happening in the future. And, like, like the flashbacks were terrible, but at least the future was kind of, like, it was getting better. It was getting better. It was getting better. And then it's just, like, no. No. There is no reason for this. Yeah. Like, it's not. It's just not. No. Like, it's not. And I'm not even saying this as someone who, like, because I love like a happily ever after like I've read books that don't have happily ever after this is just like not that it is just like there is no reason for this there is is no reason to write a book like this it's like when you were a kid and you took like a G.I. Joe doll and just dropped him in the toilet and then set him on fire and then you know whatever like it's just it's too much it's just unending and it's unnecessary yeah whereas a book that I read probably like five five or six years ago was the bronze horseman oh i haven't read that one i've ever read that it's set during world war ii about a girl who lives um in russia and she ends up basically it's the occupation of i think it's saint petersburg i'm not sure i think it's saint petersburg the occupation of saint petersburg by the Germans Mm -hmm. and the book is written in such a way that like you are starving in when you read this book because it is written so like the details in terms of like food and Mm. rationing and it is written in such a way that you are so hungry when you are reading this book because it's like they don't have food and like you viscerally feel how hungry they are yeah i love that kind of book that's amazing yeah a little life is not that book (laughs) you know so like yeah there there are there are totally different you know levels and things like that but yeah this movie it was good 
it will probably it's got a very very good rating on Rotten yeah. Tomatoes but it's a one time watch for me yeah I totally understand that mm-hmm. well with that on that said, note <laughs> peace out yo no just kidding uh, if you want to listen to old episodes while we are off next week you can listen to our recap of Ted Lasso season 2 you can also listen to our recap of Midnight Mass. You can listen to our recap of Venom if you're into Tom Hardy. Or you can listen to one of our favorite movie recaps, uh, Practical Magic. You can find them all on our website, www.hotelvicarious.com. You can also email us at hotelvicarious at gmail.com. And of course, like we said, we will be on socials at Hotel Vicarious on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Love it. And if you guys are so compelled, uh, you could rate us, review us, leave us a nice little message. Uh, anywhere that you listen to your podcasts, uh, Apple, Amazon, Spotify, Good Pods, whatever, you know, whatever. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks for checking into Hotel Vicarious, and we hope you enjoyed your stay. <laughs>